Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Living Room Logic. Welcome back to Season 2 of Living Room Logic. This episode, Aidan and I drink too much and explain why your kitchen is basically full of world-saving scientific breakthroughs and only some of them suck. Throw in the kitchen sink by following or subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Living Room Logic to join our logical following. This season is supported by FameLab, which is celebrating its ninth and final year in Ireland. Get excited for the competition's national final, which will take place at the end of September. Hello from my bedroom where I'm opening, uh, I'm wearing a shirt that is open as if I'm on the beach in Hawaii because it's bloody hot in here. Um, and we've already had a couple of drinks because this episode is a fun one. Okay, no sad topics, no world ending, no bad, scary science. Today, we're talking about household appliances and why you should care about them. Because we do. I completely disagree. I think this is a very serious episode. I -hmm. think that this is information that people should know, but we don't because we're spoiled millennials. And and these are not nice things. In fact, my first topic frequently gives me the cold shoulder, right? Because my housemate leaves the door open. Topic one is refrigerators. Oh, refrigerators. (laughs) My dear friend, which we keep and take for granted. Why do you even have refrigerators? Refrigerators do not exist to keep your beer cold, Aiden. It doesn't exist to keep your wine cold. What? It ke- it doesn't. I know. I, I, I've seen the inside of your fridge, so this is shocking. But, but <laughs> it's actually, it's actually to stop food from rotting and to stop bacteria from growing and spoiling said food. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, back in the day before fridges, we used to wreck stuff with salt. Because that would stop the bacteria from growing. But cold is a lot nicer than seawater tasting everything. Yummy. Even though some people are still like, ooh, salted caramel. I don't get them. But anyway, <laughs> like fridges fridges are just so funky because back, like, back in the day in some like Nordic countries, there were people who had ice houses and ice boxes, right? And what mm. this basically was, was at Christmas and around the winter months, Lads would literally go out and cut ice out of the ground and shove it into a shed. And that shed was the cold shed, the ice shed. They would keep all their meat and stuff in there that Mm. they needed to keep nice and shriveled up. I mean... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then they put their steaks in there as well. Yeah, and they put their steaks and stuff like that too. Um, But, 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 so it was the, originally it was the ice shed, right? But it eventually became the ice box, which I mentioned. And the ice box was basically just a, it was just a fridge that didn't work. Okay. It was a fridge that didn't fridge work. turned off. 
<laughs> it was a turned off fridge, effectively. And mm. um, what they basically did was every other day, they would just shove a block of ice at the bottom. The next question is, where did they get this block of ice? Where, you know, in the, the current state of the world with climate change, there's no more ice, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. this was just the beginning of the end, Aiden. They were see, they were literally taking blocks of ice from underneath polar bears' paws, killing them like. <laughs> uh, that, they were cutting it out of the ground and taking it from them. And man, this was a whole profession. It was a profession to be an iceman who would go out to like cold places up mountains or up north, cut ice out of weirdly lakes. satisfying. It's like yeah. I'm an iceman. It's like, man, hey, what it, are you? Yeah, I ice. I have ice you ever people. seen this? Have you ever seen the start of the movie Frozen? Mm-hmm. Like they're literally just cutting ice. They're just cutting <laughs> blocks of ice. Yeah, and that's literally what the job was. They would literally cut massive blocks of ice, and there'd be a man. Just like the milkman who would work together so the milk wouldn't spoil and they'd put the little milk on the ice, <laughs> delivering it to people's houses. And so there was a milkman and an ice man going mm-hmm. around house to house, leaving these Twice as many babies blocks. in towns. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, the ice man was even more <laughs> handsome as the milkman. Yeah, with those, there was a state rule. One had to have brown eyes and the other blue eyes to <laughs> resolve any cases or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but... <clears throat> what am I, what am I talking? About? Refrigerators, right? We got there. <laughs> we got there. Refrigerators. Oh, why that's... are we talking about sexy ice man? Because <laughs> we're easily distracted, and that's okay, man. That's okay. So uh, there's a long history, a long and interesting and complicated history around the invention and the patenting of refrigerators, which I didn't nor care about have time for to (laughs) read about. So I'm not going to explain it to you, but essentially just know that it was like Game of Thrones. Yeah. But for fridges and patenting and inventing the one that actually worked Mm -hmm. and didn't blow up and kill people. Mm-hmm. which we will get to. That sounds like the next big hit for HBO. Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's it's going to be good. But alas, I, I read it. There's a few good YouTube videos. And I swear to God, like I watched a Where Does the Fridge Come From YouTube video and it was four and a half minutes of a seven minute video just talking about different people who claim to invent the refrigerator who all fought over getting the rights to patent. So many people. Greedy boys. Yeah, including um, Michael Faraday, actually, <laughs> who, dis- who was the guy who discovered electromagnetism. Oh, my God. Uh, he, was, he also came out and was like, that, that was me. I made it. <laughs> Don't at me. Like, he, yeah, he was in that list. Loads and loads he of people. He wanted a slice talk- of that ice. Man, you're talking like Benjamin Franklin was in that list. There were so many people. And those are the two names I remember because it was about 28. I did not know. So, you know, <laughs> but refrigerators. So why why were there so many people thinking this, right? So the way that refrigerators work, essentially, is that we, naturally, because we're people who use common sense, who are easily fooled, mm. uh, we're like, oh, but electricity make it get cold, right? Mm. And people were like, oh, but that's really difficult. You know, how do you make something have less energy. Like you can't put an electric current through something and expect it to get colder. So what they had to do was mess with pressure. So they had to mess with the pressure of things. So this kind of gets to a whole thing that in science talk, as a system loses pressure, it tends to drop in temperature. It's losing things that include energy in it. It drops in temperature. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. In a vacuum, things get colder. 
uh, you can get you can see this in loads of places like if you have a deodorant or something and you hold on to it and then just spray it continuously wasting it all killing the climate and stuff mm. uh, you'll feel the can get colder mm. and that's because the pressure in the can is getting lower right you feel me i feel you or uh, when you talk, when people are like, "Oh, if an astronaut didn't have his spacesuit, his blood would boil." Mm-hmm. It's not because it's so balmy out in the vacuum of space. <laughs> it's not that it's so toasty. It's not like, "Oh, but if an astronaut is above the North Pole, he'll mm-hmm. his blood will just freeze." It's not because of that. It's because the liquid is in a low pressure. The blood is in a low pressure, and it will just dissipate and it will evaporate okay it has because nothing to do with so, temperature because it's oh because of the oh because of the pressure wow because of the pressure so since there's no pressure it will dissipate what we we have as a liquid only exists as a liquid under atmospheric pressure right god so damn. you could so you could have something very very hot like you could have water that is very very hot uh, above boiling but at high enough pressures it cannot evaporate mm-hmm. right or you could have it at a very, very low pressure and it and it can't form a solid because it can't come together close enough to form ice. Okay. Right? There's yeah. actually a re- there's a really cool thing that you can mess with this balance so much that you can get something called the triple point where water is like at a the right temp it's a Goldilocks zone of temperature and pressure where it is yeah, it is evaporating and it is freezing at the same time because of pressure and temperature. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, this <clears throat> this whole thing is very uh, poopy Me for confused. the brain. confused. Yes, but essentially the main thing you need to remember is high pressure increases the energy in a system and can increase the temperature in general, whilst low pressure, like spraying something out of a deodorant, will decrease the temperature of the can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Refrigerators. <laughs> Back to refrigerators again, buddy. <laughs> so... This the, the reason all these lads were inventing this was because around the same time in the 1800s, uh, they figured out how to get ammonia and they figured out how to get ether, uh, two incredibly poisonous things for human beings. Uh, but they have different and easier to manage boiling points and freezing temperatures than water. Mm. Okay. So let me walk you through what's going on inside of a fridge. So have you ever seen at the back of a fridge the black railing or mm-hmm. the black railing going around and it's warm? Uh, we're also going to explain why your refrigerator goes thunk in the night and creeps you out thinking that there's other people in the house when it's just your fridge deciding at random. tiny ice men. Yeah, it's full of tiny ice men sometimes, gas men, sometimes both. So basically the, everything inside of a fridge is in perfect balance. Okay, they have this, like like a circulatory system in perfect, perfect balance. Wow. So what they have is, let's say they have this um, liquid. Let's, let's say ether, right? This was the original thing for the closed cycle refrigeration system that was patented by your man who beat all the other men. Sorry, spoilers for that HBO show. <laughs> Basically, what he did was he got this ether and he put it into a machine like a pump that would pressurize it. And the pressure would increase its temperature and naturally, shockingly, increase its pressure. Uh, then what he would do is he would release it and it would go through this teeny tiny little pipe and then release into a bigger pipe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds silly. Sounds stupid. But that's what it would do. But this release from the size of the pipe it was in 
would lower the pressure, right? Yeah. And that would that lowering of the pressure, that would not affect the temperature one bit, mm. right? Wouldn't affect the temperature immediately, but it would start to change the state from going from a liquid to a gas. Okay, you still with me? I'm with you. Okay, so right at that first point, it goes, oh, gosh, the it, we just entered somewhere with less pressure. We can know at this pressure, we're no longer a liquid. We turn into a gas. Right. So we haven't we haven't actively changed the temperature for it. But where does the temperature change come? It takes energy to evaporate. OK, it takes energy to evaporate. And what's happening is it actually takes the heat energy out of the liquid and uses that to evaporate when it changes pressure. Why? So that. Yeah, I know, right? So it's it's a little bit it's a little bit brainy, it's a little bit silly, but it basically takes it out of itself. Basically converts the heat energy into energy it can use to evaporate. Oh, okay. So this it's the same thing that happens when you sweat where if you put water on your arm or you're sweating, let's say you pour water on your arm, you feel that water as cold. And the reason for that is because it's taking the heat energy on your arm, taking it out of your system and using it to convert into water vapor. Yes. And it's the same thing that's happening here, except it's using the liquid that hasn't been able to evaporate yet and taking the energy out of that. Like I said, this is a... Refrigerators are hard, okay? (laughs) It's so cool, though, because we just take them so for granted. And I'm, I'm... I'm so shocked with how complicated it was. I know. I literally I'm... thought that a fridge was like, there's a hot part in the back because it's like working really hard to make the other bit <laughs> super freaking cold. It's cuckoo. Like it literally, um, it's so crazy because I remember when we were talking about what to do for this episode, we were like, let's just pick <laughs> random appliances in our kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, a fridge. Thinking, it's only a fridge. Surely it can't be that bad. <laughs> And it was. Anyway, so it leaves this system, right? It leaves, it goes into a lower pressure. And basically, at this lower pressure, the liquid that is trying to turn into a gas is looking for any energy it can get to convert into a gas, right? So what it does, it travels to the freezer and it sucks all the heat energy it can get out of your frozen peas, out of your meat out of everything that's in there it sucks the energy out of it so it can convert into a gas mm. so it doesn't it doesn't actually alter the temperature it sucks the energy out of the material in the freezer that's so cool and and is that usually why you have a fridge freezer duo is because it works quite well together um yes but you know what i found that was really yeah I'm about to say what I found was really interesting about a refrigerator, guys. I really need to get a life. Um, What was really, really interesting about this was that in a lot of them, this wiring doesn't actually go into the fridge. And that a lot of them use fans to circulate the air from the freezer Mm. to the fridge. And depending on how hard those fans are working is how you determine the temperature in the refrigerator part. Okay. And the reason you do this is because it conserves more energy rather than running it all the way through. So, yeah, um, 
That was uncomfortably difficult. <laughs> so difficult. That was. It is much more complicated. I why? honestly thought why are I would fridges come here. so 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 cool? You know, like why know. are they so well put together? But it, it there it's it's re- it's a proper industrial revolution. Great thing and. Mm. All of these people who I who I haven't mentioned out of um, spite in my study sessions, um, <laughs> they were all using things like ammonia and they were using ether. And these are things that you use to poison people. So it wasn't really okay. great for the house. You know, it was not ideal for the house. No. But uh, now we use um, CFCs because they're great at everything. They're uh, they're great at monitoring their temperature and their pressure. They're easily controlled and they're not poisonous to humans. Mm. They don't they don't kill us. They're they're a bit inert. So they're like great. We can use something that doesn't uh hurt people. Fab. Except um it does bad things to the ozone layer. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which we is, talked about in our yeah, other episode to do with climate change. Which is probably coming up in a few weeks, even though we recorded it last week. But that doesn't matter. You guys <laughs> will never find that out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, man, uh, refrigerators are complicated. And, okay. Um, Refrigerate- yeah, man, so- refrigerators are great and all. And I kind of miss the ice men like i can't stop thinking about this ice man he's like you know what if he was super important you know he was like the milkman like this is a yeah a dynasty you know of oh, ice men yeah. generational dynasty of ice men i i love it it's a beautiful man, concept he, it, he is the original person who lost lost his job to technology He's the first. He's the first. I can't think of too many jobs that definitely were completely pointless because of technology. Like, yeah. He, he lost his job in the 1800s. <laughs> you know, Such like, an uh, early one. Yeah, because before they actually like made commercial fridges and stuff, they made like um, ice makers, which mm-hmm. essentially was the same system, but going through a giant bucket of water. And they would just smack the pipe <laughs> and then crack off the ice and collect it and sell it to people. Oh, my God. So, you know, the, the donkeys that they were dragging to lakes and the reindeer, completely pointless. Um, wow. So, yeah, uh, pour, pour one out for the Iceman. I think he would say goodbye. And if he was really, really short and really, really small, he would wave you goodbye <laughs> with a microwave oh no <laughs> I, I thought do you not think that was smooth no? I thought okay. it was so good that I Thank couldn't you. I couldn't out of jealousy <laughs> I couldn't give you that scrounge break why is it itchy down there who bloody knows maybe go see a doctor but while you're in the waiting room go to patreon.com forward slash living room logic and donate to the podcast we do it for free and we're still just tall apes swimming tirelessly up the muddled streams of this capitalistic society so give us a monetary paddle yeah so so for this for this next technology things are going to get way hotter than your ice men or your milkman any of those even though they are super hot you know yeah and they yeah. were super hot um mm. But yes, Andrew said it with his beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> fucking terrible dad joke. Hey, um, hey, hey. <laughs> microwaves. 
and specifically microwave ovens. Okay. And, you know, microwaves are so common today, especially in the Western world. Um, and they're used to heat up your beans and to <laughs> heat up your coffee in the morning when you've left it for too long. Um, oh dear. But we'll actually maybe talk about a little bit more how you can actually use your microwave to do pretty much the majority of your cooking. But uh, we just, for some reason, have this strange idea about doing that. Um, and I'll get into that a bit more. Okay. Do, but do. I, I want to talk about the technology for a sec because it is pretty cool. For instance, the, the microwave, like what is an actual microwave? It's a type of um, basically, wait, what is, <laughs> what is a microwave, Aiden? It, 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 it's a small wave from a unemployed it's, it's, ice man. It, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh my God, I love it. I I'm love it. Wrong. No, I'm you're not, not at all. You're not yeah. at all. It's a type of uh, of basically of 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 light energy. Well, well, light is it has many different wavelengths and frequencies, and at the super highest wavelength and frequency is gamma rays, and they're like super deadly to us. They're they're called ionizing radiation, and they're very bad, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And over there at that super high energy is also like x-rays and stuff, and then in the middle you have visible light, all the stuff we can see, all the colours of the rainbow um, that, <laughs> that are all made up of white light, okay? But... Oh, of, of course it's white. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> this... This... <laughs> Anyway, look, we, um, we, we'll, we'll get into racist Isaac Newton another day, but go yeah, on. We will, we will. But a another, you know, as light gets older, its wavelength gets longer and its frequency gets longer. And so you get really weak frequencies, things like microwaves and they're the second most weakest wavelength and then the very end you have radio waves and their wavelength is several meters and the microwave is like 12 centimeters so it's quite a long wavelength and that that comes into the technology the microwave as well the microwave oven i'm gonna make that mistake so many times in this episode (laughs) um but what's really cool is uh you know in your microwave oven you have a thing that creates microwaves and the microwave is the oven is insulated with metal and it allows the microwaves to basically be emitted inside and ping around the inside but not be radiated out and that heats up uh, your food but but actually what researchers found out is it just doesn't heat up your food like a conventional oven which heats up the air which heats up the food by conduction and it heats from the outside in microwaves will go through food items and the water particles in the food are the thing that heat up and it's really actually quite wacky is why this happens water molecules are called dipoles they are polar um if you look at a a water molecule it kind of looks like Mickey Mouse with his ears and his head and his head his face is the oxygen and the two ears are are, uh, one hydrogen on either side and the hydrogens are slightly more positive and the uh, oxygen is slightly more negative 
and the I microwaves. I think the oxygen's a realist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. It's got a more positive mindset, just like Mickey yeah, Mouse. Yeah, and so fine. the microwaves themselves are also slightly positive at the peak of their wave and at the very lowest part of their wave is slightly negative. So one is, you know, there's a dipole there as well. And this causes the water molecules to rapidly vibrate inside mm. the food. And so that's literally all your microwave oven is doing. It's just eating a bunch of microwaves through your food <laughs> and it's causing all of the water molecules that have been hit by our microwave to vibrate. And that causes friction and that causes heat. But the cool thing about the microwave oven is actually the thing that makes the microwaves. And it's a thing called a magnetron. That sounds fucking mental. That's it sounds great. like a transformer. Like, you know, Megatron's yeah. in there fucking making microwaves for you so you can heat up your water and your food. But the, the Magnetron is in itself really interesting. It looks really crazy when you look at a diagram of it. But in the middle, there's a filament and electricity goes into this filament and heats it up really, really, really hot. And it's in a vacuum and it emits electrons and electrons go into these pores and there's basically a dipole. Again, what I said, there's a positive side and a negative side and there's a bunch of uh, pores around the, the filament. And so it causes the electrons to go around in circles and never pretty much find a, a stable position. And because of that, it causes microwaves to be emitted off the top. And you really don't need to worry about why, because I have no idea why. I never worried. Yeah. <laughs> But that is exactly what the magnetron does. And it's just so cool. And it it turns out that, you know, when you don't have this magnetron insulated, that it it won't heat stuff up because the microwaves, they dissipate. They they aren't concentrated. And the invention of the microwave oven is, it's so weird because it it actually had nothing to do with cooking food. Like... The, really? the company that came up with it was a company called um, Raytheon. And okay. they are today one of the biggest defense companies in America. No way. And I'll talk about what they make and because it's absolutely mental. Jeez, talk about humble beginnings. I know, right? But it, yeah, <laughs> and it all started in the 1920s with uh, about five, co- um, five employees and one particular dude called Percy Spencer. Okay? okay, and this guy actually—it's he is—he's such an interesting character as well because he comes from a tough background. I think he lost both of his parents, and he was orphaned, and he then he, then he Jeez. became a self-taught engineer. So he didn't go no to way. formal college. I think he couldn't make enough money, so he had to work, and then he wow. taught himself how to be an engineer and how to be a researcher, which That's is class. incredible. It's so cool. And um, Spencer was picked up by Raytheon and he was working with them specifically on this magnetron technology that I was talking about. But they were using these magnetrons for something completely different. They were using magnetrons for radar technology, for communication, um, because that's pretty much what microwaves were used for before the microwave oven came about. That was their major... major uh, use and so mm. it's it's really interesting because Spencer was working on making these magnetrons way more efficient and making it the factory being able to make thousands of them instead of tens of them in a single week so he's really trying to ramp up mm. the production yeah. and he was trying out this new model 
and he had a chocolate bar in his pocket and it started heating up and it, it melted in his pocket and he was like what the hell's going on and you know i'd say a lot of us would just be like oh it's kind of warm in here so it's probably that's why it melted but then he he had the idea to then encase the magnetron in a metal box to try and see if it was wow. the magnetron that was causing the heating and it was and so he went and tested a load of other stuff as well um i think he tested popcorn um and and it popped just fine and then he tested an egg and it's such a funny story apparently there one of his employees was like impatient and he wanted to go up and see what was happening and the egg exploded <laughs> in his face which no. is so funny so like it's and it's crazy how all of that like that story kind of passed through oh my god so he clearly knew that this was going to be a thing like this could clearly cook food and he made like hundreds of patents or i think it was a total of 140 patents to do with all sorts of microwave technology but the microwave oven in particular he made loads of different variations but raytheon made the the first microwave for commercial use and it was this huge behemoth of a thing it was like <laughs> six foot tall it was like 700 pounds oh in weight and it was like um, I think what? Oh how much God. did it cost? It was five thousand dollars, which was the equivalent to fifty thousand dollars today. Wow! So you know, and, <laughs> and apparently it took like thirty minutes to heat up, but then as soon as you you got it, really, it got very, very hot. So you're talking hundreds of degrees, and you could get it to oh you could get it to basically cook something in seconds. That's amazing, and you could get it to do it uniformly. Um, which is the really cool thing. Um, mm -hmm. But of course, since this thing was an expensive behemoth, it didn't pick up like at all. And it took pretty much, you know, 20 years then after that um, for the microwave oven to really pick up. Lots of really good marketing and door-to-door -door sales and all that sort of stuff to get people to actually, in America, in the US uh, in particular, to put the, the countertop, microwave to make it like a you know it's just such a normal thing now of course. um you know i think it's something like 95 percent of houses in the u.s have have one um mm -hmm. which is just crazy and going back to the specific company raytheon because i just had to dig more because <laughs> I, I was i was flabbergasted by the fact that the company that had five employees and were working on radars somehow made an oven. And yeah, the microwave oven did really well for them. And they made the countertop. They they bought another, actually a fridge company, and they produced microwaves ovens that way. But then Raytheon has since turned into literally one of the biggest defense companies in the world. Um, wow. it, it it's worth I think it's worth something like seventy five billion dollars. It's an absolutely That's massive uh, company, and their specialization is in wireless communication. Um, and the crazy thing is, is that during so during World War Two, this is all happening at a very similar time to World War Two, uh, when the microwave oven was being invented. Um, but Raytheon gets contracted as their main kind of uh, communication um, contractor for the US military. And mm. apparently the company was even responsible for designing the trigger system that was used in the world's first atomic bomb. 
So wow! This company the, the that switches. makes microwave ovens Mic- <laughs> also helped make the atomic bomb. It's oh ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So today, Raytheon, it, they they make millions uh, every single year, and they produce advanced weapons technology, and they they basically deal with cybersecurity as well. Uh, and if you kind of think about it, like they're basically cybernet. Like they're mm. basically like. IRL cybernet. So um, I even managed to find a book that was written about the history of the company. Um, It's called The Creative (laughs) Ordeal. And I I read a lot of the reviews because I just wanted to see what it was about. And it, it, it kind of, all the reviews were very similar. They were like, usually these, these corporate books about the history of companies, they're usually such a drag. But this company's just special. There's something going on there. And there's talks of this company being one of a key, one of a a, a handful of companies that were extremely important in the Americans were winning, helping to win the second world war, Mm -hmm. which is just absolutely mind boggling. You know, to to be honest, there's a lot of, there's a lot more questions (laughs) than answers there. Cause it sounds like an amazing story, but like, uh, I, I'm surprised because currently it's a hot topic about vaccines and microchips and, you know, people like having magnetic arms. And I'm like, yes, do you own a microwave? Mm-hmm. Because it has something called a magnetron built by a defense, like a <laughs> military defense company. That's not at all suspicious. I know, right? <laughs> I know. And the, and the craziest thing is that... That was the one of the last things I wanted to talk about is is m- microwave safety and of course as soon as they went on the market that was one of the main reasons why they didn't do well was because people didn't understand the science mm-hmm. uh, understandably so and they were freaking out they were like yeah. you're gonna you're gonna give me radiation poisoning yeah. the, clearly there's some form of radiation coming out of the microwave yeah there is it's called heat it's heat <laughs> radiation and so. That is one thing that I'll say before we go on to the next section is that microwaves are completely 100% just as safe as a normal conventional oven. There's no irradiation Mm. happening. There's no ionizing radiation, which is what you're scared about. All there is is the heating of water molecules. So if you put your hand in a microwave, it will heat your hand up and probably cook your hand. That's probably a terrible idea. (laughs) <laughs> but there is no potential for ionizing radiation to be produced so it's ex- it's just as safe as any other oven and there's so many protocols that they've added just to basically put the nail in the coffin of that conversation to show that there's no way of that course. you could even get burnt from it it's like you can just as easily get burnt opening an oven with your oven mittens because I did it today. I made some beans earlier on and I was like, oh, it's kind of hot. Like the bowl's kind of hot after I put it in for three minutes. So I put on some oven mittens because it's heat. (laughs) So, and and that's... The way you're saying that is like, heat can hurt you. Don't be stupid. Well, it's (laughs) It's just... It is dangerous because heat is dangerous. Yeah. Not because it is dangerous. And you know, basically don't worry about microwaves and it's okay if you were scared about them. Because they do sound a bit scary, and and it's yeah. it is a new, it's a crazy technology, but it's so cool, and yeah, it's as safe as a normal oven. Bang on, dude, bang on, and that will be the end of the interesting parts of today. Because I know that everyone has been so thrilled so far, and this has been like a roller coaster. But now, 
from the interesting origins of refrigerators and microwaves, we're moving on to the incredibly boring origins of a toaster. <laughs> but don't you worry, I, I'll, I'll find a way to get worked up about this. So, yeah. so okay, we, we like toast. Toast is nice. Toast is a... Toast is It delicious. is a staple of our childhoods, Aiden. Aiden, when I was younger, one Mother's Day when I was about four, I obviously was like four, so I was viciously incompetent in the kitchen. <laughs> but I was like, mm. I want to make my mom breakfast in bed for Mother's Day. So I made her butter toast. And we'll always have that memory because I went up to the room with her incredibly disgusting coffee and the buttered toast. And my mom was like, oh, wow, thank you. And my four-year-old self said, I'm so happy with it. Mom, I found a really good way to butter toast. And she said, oh, yeah. And I said, with my fingers. And my fingers were <laughs> lathered with butter. Lathered. And my <laughs> mom was just there, like, nibbling on the crust, like... Thanks, yeah. honey. Oh, delightful, honey. <laughs> delightful. Um, so, yeah, toasters are pretty close to my heart. Uh, <laughs> but I don't wow. think anyone is surprised to learn how a toaster works. Okay. Toasters are pretty straightforward because we've all looked inside of a toaster. We've all been bored as we pace around a kitchen waiting for our toast to toast. Sorry, apologies. Our bread to toast. Let's not get that mixed up. Jeez, we're in a very serious section. Where we, we look in and we're like, hey, what are those red wires? And just like there seems to be a theme, they are hot. <laughs> they are heated. And they are heated mm -hmm. because they're made of something called nichrome. Okay, they're called nichrome. And this is nickel, chromium and iron. Okay. That sounds pretty cool. And what they're essentially doing is shoving 900 watts of electricity through these wires, which are like, you know, quite resistant. And until mm. they get really, really hot. And then we put toast in there and we're like, yay, crusty bread. Love it. Mm -hmm. But this is, to that's, you, that's understandable, right? You know, you put like, like any mm. cable, like anything like that with uh, this nichrome has a bit of resistance in it. And where you have a little bit of resistance, you get the equivalent of friction, okay, with, with electricity. So the electricity, the 900 watts going through the nichrome with a little bit of resistance turns into a bit of heat energy. Okay. Mm. But this is essentially just a classic super old-fashioned light bulb that we use, okay? It is the exact mm. same technology as the light bulb. So when you think back to, like, okay. the Thomas Edison days, right, when he was trying to invent the light bulb, and, you know, he has his famous saying, he invented it, he invented it so many times poorly before he eventually got it. What was the problem with the light bulb back then was that you would use really thick wires and all of the energy would become heat, and if you use really light wires, oh. like really thin wires, a lot of the energy would become heat, but it would also become light energy. Sounds useful. Mm. Light is good. But the it would burn up because the wires were thin. So the, the creation of the toaster was kind of reverse engineering the light bulb and going, what, what if cool. we made the wires thicker? And we were like, make the wires thicker so they don't burn up but they get hot enough to cook something like toast. Mm. So so it's it's interesting how those two things kind of come together. 
And uh, just because I, I, I don't want to end this on a, a bum note at all, I want to keep going. Uh, have you seen the new hotspot electric hops, right? You know the hotspot ones where you turn them on and they shine bright red immediately to let you know when they're hot, mm. right? Mm. This It's kind of cool because it mixes both. It mixes both the toaster theory and it mixes the light bulb theory where it, co- it comes sick. together and uses the exact same idea. The exact same idea that uses in toaster where it has a really resistant metal to the electricity that produces a load of heat but it also runs the energy through a different metal that produces a little more light so when it gets to the right place you end up seeing it light up it gets hot it's so aesthetically pleasing I think it is from an engineering and scientist perspective it makes toasters interesting (laughs) Because, man, I worked hard to make that interesting. <laughs> and come here, is that is that why so grills are chunky, chunky boys? Yeah. Like if you go and look at a grill, it's it is a very yes, similar dude. makeup to a toaster, except those bars are just like chunky yes, boys. They are. But again, with, now with grills and metal hobs, they, 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 thick. they, 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 they thick, but they, they need to be thick to get as hot as they get, because otherwise they oh. just burn up and melt. You know, they just waste mm. away. But an, an interesting thing, because you might hear that and be like, oh, my God, if it's red hot because it has electricity going through, it, I'm going to get electrocuted. No, that that's not the way it works, because they have different ways of doing it. So with a toaster, um, yes, that is exactly how a toaster works. If you put something near those metal bars whilst it's on, it will electrocute you. Those are literally mm-hmm. just, there's electricity going through them. The ice man will visit you. You'll, You'll get, get iced. iced. But, but like, there's there's loads of other places that this comes in. So the grill is a good example. It gets red hot because there's electricity passing through some part of it, right? Uh, a kettle mm. is another one where electricity gets passed through some part of it and you do not get electrocuted. And metal hobs are another. And this is because underneath them, they do have something which has electricity passing through it and getting really hot and stuff but it's covered with something that is heat conductive but electricity insulating Ooh. right so there there's a blanket there between them i.e. safer <laughs> i.e. it's fine but but like we said with the microwaves Aiden um hot is still dangerous. We we do not uh, condone hot people. Hot still hurts. Hot it hurts. Hot hurts. Um, put yeah. that put that on your wall. Uh, Eighteen to thirty five year olds who listen to this. <laughs> hot does hurt. I'm I'm so warm right yeah, now. You know, yeah. I'm just swelling so, up here. So, dude. Um. So yeah, that's kind of the way that toasters work by shoving a lot of electricity through it. We've come leaps and bounds in a lot of ways of making it nice and safe. Toasters. Still pretty raw. Anyway, I thought that would have been a great way to end the episode. I thought it would have been brilliant. But mm-hmm. Aiden's about to make the whole episode suck. Mm-hmm. He's about to ruin it. Um, I am. So take it. It's going to be really negative. It's going to be really negative. It's going to be, um, oh, it's just going to not be good. Uh, he's going to be blowing out his backside. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's uh, So uh, don't pump yourself up too much. That's already three dad jokes. I don't want any more. Okay. Um, yeah. so they were going downhill. <laughs> they... <laughs> so, um, you know, 
toasters are hot as fuck, but yeah, uh, vacuums vacuums suck. They really do suck. Uh, they didn't always suck, though. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I watched, I for this podcast, I watched a documentary from 1987 called The Secret Life of Vacuum Cleaners. Okay? Because that's what we're going to talk about right now. I and feel like we need so, to talk about more than that so if that's fucking what you watch, boring, dude. Okay? <laughs> so boring. Okay, he talked about brooms and carpet whackers and stuff like that because that's what people used to do back in Victorian times. They were re- it was dusty, boy. It was dusty, right? So people would beat the shit out of carpets with these fucking weaved things made out of wood, and it was a massacre. They're fucking idiots, right? Oh, God. But um, yeah. But so it, it was quite crazy. Like the the earliest technology for actual, um. <laughs> for actual vacuum cleaners and it sounds mad but again very similar to the size of the microwave the first microwave oven yeah um there was this kind of door-to-door horse and cart um and it was the size of a a kind of you know person uh carrying cart um, for for vacuum cleaning um in yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was invented in the 1900s by this uh, this book called Hubert Cecil Booth. Wow. Um, and yeah, as I said, they're absolutely massive. And these are actually some of the first vacuum cleaners that would suck. Wow. But the ones yeah. before them, they literally, between the brooms and the carpet whackers, they literally just blew the dust off of carpets and stuff with compressed air. Okay, wasn't that amazing of an invention? In fact, when you do that, the dust just goes all over your garden if you're doing it outside. If you're doing it inside, you're just an idiot. Of course. So, um, or pranking the, someone. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But like, if you're a carpet cleaner, uh, you're gonna not do well in life. Um, mm. if you're using um blowing devices, so this dude was the first guy. Um, Cecil Booth was the first guy to come up with putting a filter and having air being pulled in by some sort of fan, and the 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 whole fan system is run. Uh, first of all, by a petrol motor, and um, later to be used uh, with an electric motor, of course, with, with electricity when things got smaller. But this thing was huge, and apparently, this guy Cecil Booth uh, would rock up into towns with the horse and cart, and these big hoses would come out of the cart, and the guys would say that they're having a, a Hoover or a vacuum cleaner party, and uh, it would be like super loud, and apparently, people would basically be shocked they'd be like what the hell is going on like this guy is wrecking one of the houses of course, yeah. um and what's going on and um, and they kind of took on like a, a, a fire engine aesthetic which is kind of cool <laughs> but they worked so well that it caught on in in the royalty in england and actually the buckingham palace was was so huge and dusty that they got the lads to show up with their horse and cart and do a job on Buckingham Palace, oh, which is really cool. So they actually got really... Um, well-known. They got really well-known. Yeah, exactly. Hoover's got basically way smaller and really popular. Everyone in their aunt has a vacuum cleaner these days. Um, and and But 
for the entire um, 1900s, vacuum cleaners used a disposable bag system. Okay. Um, and that's great and all. It's also super boring. Um, <laughs> and there's this Thanks dude... Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Me and all the other listeners really appreciate that. Anyway. <laughs> then at the end of the 20th century, a dude called James Dyson completely changes the game for vacuum cleaners okay and it it's kind of funny like vacuum cleaners like who cares about vacuum cleaners but the story itself is amazing and he's actually kind of an interesting character because i had heard a lot about him and you know you see him on Dyson ads and stuff and he just seems like a bit of a knob but to be honest kind of cool dude uh so so this guy he was basically an artist um in his young life um and and he was basically an artist turned engineer and entrepreneur in the later parts of his life okay mm-hmm. um his his first job was on a project um from a mentor that he met in in university um on on a project called the sea truck and it was it was basically like a an an amphibian truck and they were going to use it to transport I don't know, it's going to be used for so many different things. And it is actually, it's still used today for the oil industry, for loads of different industries and, and for military and stuff. And so, but but that that wasn't his invention. And I think one of his, uh, one, one of the most important things about him was that he was able to make things kind of aesthetically pleasing and stuff like that. Um, and so he left this project because he was looking at a wheelbarrow one day and he was like, this wheelbarrow is uh, really heavy. The The wheel's really stupid. It keeps puncturing. It makes a super massive divot in the ground. And he decided to completely reinvent the wheelbarrow <laughs> by creating a thing called a ball barrel. Okay? Okay. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it because I haven't. But apparently it's quite big. It's quite big in America. Okay. But these ball barrels are basically, instead of a wheel, it's like this big, plastic hard plastic ball and they can't be punctured and Mm. this ball barrel idea that he came up with was actually massive and it sold loads in america and in england but it was actually a crazy fiasco because james dyson had to expand he hired a sales manager which would get then go over to america to sell this idea wow and what happened wow. was that the sales manager actually went over and sold himself to a company called Sears. Okay. And Sears began to produce these ball barrows and practically uh, took a very similar design and a, a, the same name and a, in fact the exact same motto wow. and everything. So there was this massive legal battle. And and think about this. This guy is an engineer who just came in to his first kind of major invention, his first a kind of entrepreneurial venture and he sank all pretty much all of his money into legal battle with Sears and the judge ruled that calling something a ball barrow is like it's just descriptive yeah. so anyone can call a ball barrow a ball barrow because it's just a ball and a barrow yeah. it's just it's it's there's there's no problem with it and 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 so it ended wow. up in the company actually kicking him out so he was he was actually um 
uh, removed from the the board. That's and crazy. so and his his he his, he sold his shares uh, to the company, and so they went off and did their thing. And I'm pretty sure ball barrows are are, yeah. are 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 popular enough, but they're not half as popular as this next invention that he came up with, which was. And the the Dyson vacuum cleaner and and an entire line of vacuum cleaners, but the crazy thing was that this is actually a story of fifteen years of failure and perseverance and like making thousands of prototypes and it's really cool. So he got the idea for the vacuum cleaner after he lost his first business and he was pretty much about to go into debt. No, sorry, he was in huge debt. He was about to go into bankruptcy. And he realised that when they were painting the ball barrows, they would paint them with powder paint and they would use these big industrial cyclone um, vacuum machines that would clean up any particulate matter in the air. Okay? And he decided, well, Jesus, it'd be great if we could use that for the, you know, domestic vacuum cleaners um, because this whole disposable bag system is is just a money game. It's ridiculous. You know, you just have to change your bag every every couple of weeks and uh, it's just really good business for, for Hoover and Electrolux, which mm-hmm. are the two biggest, the other two biggest vacuum cleaner companies in the world. The craziest thing is that he comes up with this design, but it takes him years, about five years. Wow. And over five years, he makes 5,000 127 prototypes that's crazy to make this kind of first what's called a dual cyclone uh, vacuum cleaner system and to be honest the science is quite confusing it's actually really complicated and I don't really want to go into it but he uses a premise called centrifugal force and what that means is that on the outside there's a cyclone going around the outside of the uh, of the cylinder of the the vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. That's pulling most of the fine stuff up into a, uh, basically a chamber. Yeah, and then also everything else is being chucked into this chamber system, and then up through the middle is just air. So it means that the suction never changes and it just stays very very solid. Okay, great and stable. And so that was the idea. And the craziest thing was that after he made this, he would he brought it to all around the world to all sorts of different companies and they just wouldn't take it because they were saying, first of all, this is mad. If this was a good idea, Electrolux and Hoover would have already made it because why wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, disruptive technology, make even more money, kind of mix things up a bit. And, you know, it's just even more money into the market. Yeah. And he and he actually went to the Hoover companies and they and that's exactly what they said was that this whole bag business is really good for business. Yeah. And that they don't want to remove that because that's actually like 30 or 40 percent of the sales. So it's just an incredible story of him again nearly going, you know, I think he was like halfway through the prototypes at like twenty five hundred and he was honestly nearly completely out of money. And then by 5,000, he was pretty much out of money. And his mentor at the time, the guy that was working on the sea truck with him, yeah. put, even pulled out because it just it was just too much for him. Yeah. And it was this Japanese company in the end, after years, like nearly fucking 10 years, they decided to take, a, take this on as a luxury product. Um, and they sold it. It was a company called Apex. 
and they sold it in Japan for for like the high class and they sold it at a really kind of crazy price but it still wasn't called Dyson and he and he finally after about 15 years managed to get a bank loan for I think it was 600 grand to make his own supply company in England and create the the business from the ground up and now this these crazy vacuums I don't even have one because they just seem a, a bit a bit over the top for me <laughs> but they they're in 65 countries and it's worth 4.7 billion euro a year God. just what a cool story of like perseverance yeah. like because I did the math it was like if you know I don't know how exactly how many years he spent on the prototypes but he was making at least two a day so you know was there was going. changing parts and making it changing parts and making and it and just he was an addict he he was desperate to get the the perfect one yeah exactly so it's just a, a nice success story to finish yeah. up the episode I, so I, I hope he's played by tom hanks and they cgi tom hanks young so he can play yeah. the vacuum maker I, I think that would uh, bring Tom Hanks's circle f- all the way around. It'd be nice. A young James Dyson. A young James Dyson. I can see it already. The little tash. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that was nice. That 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 was that episode was surprisingly nice, Aiden. Um, I don't have mm. anything else to add at the end. Maybe the only thing I would say is don't look at your household appliances the same way ever again. They took a lot of work, and uh, respect them. Don't take them for granted. Or do. We have way bigger problems. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Uh, Have a good time. Come back for the next one. I wish you the best. God bless you. This is the end of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time. If you're feeling generous and you're not completely skinned, why don't you give us some of your money? Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Join our Patreon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.